We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Client Horror Stories. Today's episode may be a bit slower than usual because I have a cold, so my apologies for sneezing in advance. Hopefully, you can't catch it via watching videos. <laughs> a different type of virus you, uh, you get through the computer. Um, but I'm excited to have with me Annika Jackson, long-awaited episode. Welcome, Annika. Thank you. Ooh. I know. I'm so thrilled to be here. I love your podcast. And everything that we go through, right, has great implications for our learning and other people's learning as well. So I love hearing other people's stories about their clients and listening to it. So because then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's how I can do something different or I can learn from it. So I am thrilled to be here and dive yeah. in. I'm working on building a time travel machine so that my podcast could exist <laughs> 20 years ago. So you could listen to it then and learn everything that should be avoided over Amazing. the next <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> the time machine technology building is going a bit slowly. So I oh. don't hold breath for that one. <laughs> so uh, so uh, let's jump right into this story. I'm excited to hear today's story. Thank you. So there are a few things. I should pre preface. One is I love working with people who are putting positivity and good into the world, have some kind of socially good component, whether it's on voting rights, social justice, equity. They have an app that has, you know, that's for profit, but has some kind of good component, give back component. Uh, so I always look for clients who fit that criteria. I also thought that I liked working with people who had multiple businesses going on at the same time. And this is I like the word thought. It's a hint of what's going to happen in the story, it sounds. Yes. Yeah. And there were some red flags. The, the way that I started working with this person and entity was I was brought into a project they were doing to help them get some extra leverage. It was a project that was quick video thing doing over social media around mm -hmm. the time of the last presidential election. So I said, okay, brought my team in. We helped with some influencer marketing, get some other partnerships together. It was a small project. And then they said, we really like what you did. So then we started working on another project. And then it developed into working on multiple projects. The person was- Multiple, multiple projects simultaneously? Simultaneously. Okay, simultaneously so for the same person. This person had a book, an album. They had done films. They had a business on the spiritual side of things. They were very involved in the spiritual kind of woo-woo community, that kind of spirituality, manifestation, abundance, that kind of stuff. And they had a lot of different projects going at the same time. So that's another red flag, time limitations on how much time you can spend with a person working on one project, let alone like five so, so actually, I think that is a very good red flag that you, that you, that your time, if there's five different things on the same client, you have one for the time for each. But I think you just hinted at two other red flags that are 
we're starting to, I don't even know what happens. And we're already seeing all these red flags. The second red flag is it's not just your time that's limited, but it's your client's time. We're like, if this spiritual client guru client is working on 20 different things, then the client themselves is going to have five minutes a week for this, five minutes a week for this, which means that their heart, their caring, their attention is, isn't, is, isn't going to any of them. And that, that to me is always a disaster, a sign of disaster. Yes. hundred percent. The, the other red flag that I should have realized was a red flag right away was that, and I'm just gullible. <laughs> I tend to believe what people tell me, you know, and be empathetic. And this person said, oh, I've worked with marketing and PR firms before, and they just took all my money, but they didn't deliver anything at the end of the day. So if you factor multiple entrepreneur running many, many things at the same time, who doesn't have time to deal with a marketing and PR agency, telling me that they've worked with other agencies and they weren't happy with their work product. Now I know run far away from those people because they're not going to be happy with your work either. You know, um, that's. That, that that's interesting because I think that's a that's a really good observation and it feels to me like there's if you if you have a bad relationship with someone whatever bad luck that happens but when you have bad relationships with fifteen different people in a row then maybe you're just bad at managing relationships and the problem isn't is, is isn't the other person yeah yeah and I don't know if you've worked with people in the spiritual community I've worked with multiple of them. I never have I, actually. I love reading and listening to podcasts and things on manifestation and abundance and all that stuff. But I've also realized I don't, that doesn't mean I want to work with people in that space. Uh, because they're often a little, they're, they're a little flighty sometimes. And uh, they compare themselves to everybody else in the space and what everybody else is doing. And so in, it's kind of not as spiritual as you would think. I want to pull that cover back a little bit. Like any industry, there's a little bit of infighting. There are, I remember this person was doing a summit like around one of the solstices with a whole bunch of other people. And then some of the people were, this is height of the pandemic, were anti-vaxxers, some were pro-vaccine. And so it was really interesting to see how they were working together. And there's some like jealousy interaction with Who's doing what on what platform and how many people are following them? And I found that to be, I didn't think that the spiritual world would be like that, but it very much is. And there is a lot of competition, a lot of, oh, well, I was doing this 20 years ago before it got popular and now everybody else is doing it. But I don't, I was the advisor to Jack Canfield and I was the advisor to this person, that person. Now look at what they're doing. And then the person isn't there. And so then that's another red flag. Well, why aren't they there? What are they doing or not doing? (laughs) Before we get to the story, I love this deep dive of the red flags. Let's analyze that one for a moment because I think that's a good one. It reminds me of uh, 15 years ago, I got really into George Orwell and I read his collected letters and writings. And I remember he has an essay, his essay on Gandhi. Um, and he has this incredible review of Gandhi where he basically argues Gandhi was a fraud. But I always remembered, I always remembered. Um, Orwell's opening line of this essay in Gandhi. He said, everyone must be judged innocent until proven guilty, except for self-proclaimed saints mm. who should be judged 
guilty before and be proven innocent. I think it's a powerful point because our human instinct is, is innocent until proven guilty. Like we don't know what happened. Like we're not judging you. But when someone goes around saying, I'm a spiritual guru, I'm a saint, I'm so holy. Like that's like, that is such a big red flag. That's the exact sort of person that you kind of have to assume they're not a perfect holy person. They're probably just a human with human DNA. And as a human with human DNA, they're going to have human flaws. Like how many, how many Instagram followers do I have? Because that's kind of just what humans, (laughs) humans think about. 100%. I love the way that you framed that with the story about Gandhi, because it is those people that we have. It's now there's a difference. I think you have to have self-confidence in who you are and you have to be authentic in who you are. But when you're trying to sell yourself as authentic, but you're saying all of those things in the same breath and you haven't really proven, maybe you have some dedicated followers, right? Who will pay for any speech that you're giving pay for all your books, do work for you for free, attend all your classes, but that's a small group of people. And there are other things that get you to the next level. And a lot of that you and I were talking before about is making sure that there's structure in place that as a client, you know, who you are, you have, you know, exactly what you want to do and that we know that, and that we can easily hear that message from you, we can easily parrot it back to you. And then we can create the key messages to do the work that we do to the different audiences. Well, totally. I, and also on this uh, self-proclaimed saint, self-proclaimed spiritual gurus, judge guilty before forgiveness. And I want an, another possibly useful observation I want to make is in my experience, beyond just working with clients, my experience as a 47 year old is I find that more often than not, the people that, scream to the world how good they are is like less good than the people who like quietly uh quietly do things like the person who donates a lot of money but put my name on the building and Mm -hmm. like less likely to have a noble initiative than i'm going to donate money anonymously and 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 so on that when you have to tell the world uh it is it's like that all that that also raises a red flag so that cast a shadow on, on the, on the, on the whole spiritual guru industry for me, having never even worked with that industry before. <laughs> well, and that kind of leads, I mean, we could go off on a whole tangent about this equating to narcissistic behavior, really. Mm-hmm. And people having yeah, right. really inherent self-doubt and insecurity and masking it by being grandiose. There are a lot of examples yeah, guess, of that that we know about. I guess, uh, I guess who, who would be attracted to become a spiritual guru other than da, 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 fill in the blanks. Yeah, yeah. But, but we'll get to your story in a second. I just, I just want to conclude this preface. I love yeah. this preface. <laughs> uh, I want to conclude the preface by observing that it, and this is actually an important point that hasn't been covered on a, pre, on a previous episode where different types of people are attracted to different industries so just and different roles. So mm. just knowing that your client has this role in this industry just gives you a massive amount of, uh, of information. Like, like at a simpler level, some industries just have more corruption than other industries. Some mm-hmm. industries have more money than other industries and, and, and so on. So even though every individual is different and every situation is different, these patterns are there. So just identifying yeah. these industry and role patterns before you start, like gives you a large head start for, for identifying 
problems that you're likely to run into. Yes, 100%. I think okay, I said 100% I like, like five the red flag analysis. And I'm like, yes. What, what actually happens? What is this famous story? Yeah, so what happened is multiple projects plus a nonprofit, each project had its own brand, its own web needed, each, each one needed a logo, a website, a brand identity, PR and marketing around each specific thing. Now you would wonder why somebody who's doing a million different things doesn't just tie it all into one brand, right? Like that person is kind of the right. center of the brand, but there, some things fell better under the nonprofit, some things she wanted to right. brand just as her own stuff. And then this album was with this famous person, producer, blah, blah, blah. This book was on this and she'd been writing it for 10 years. Then the husband, was bankrolling and he's a producer and, you know, had had a big company and sold it and made a lot of money and started working in film. And that's how they, you know, that's how they met. So there's right. all this, these other layers. Uh, and essentially what happened is we started working on all the different projects because it wasn't, I do this one project and then start on the next one all of them want needed to be done or were requested to be done at the same time. So we have different people on the team working on this branding, this website, blah, 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 bringing in her business manager, her business coaches, her social media team to meetings, which didn't really, we didn't know, okay, who's really the boss and who are we talking to about each of these things and which part of the work is ours versus theirs in some regards, because it was a lot of leaning on her pre her, current experts, the people she'd already had working for her, uh, to give their opinions so, on scopes of work, even though, so it wasn't, and, and then she changed her mind often, which isn't even getting to the, the real crux of the story. Okay. So, so, yeah. so before that, <laughs> I just want to make sure I, I understand the buildup. I like it. Yeah. So buildup, it's like a movie plot. Um, so she hired you to do some marketing branding, but because she had this existing team, she was like, she was working with you, but also consulting with the team. So as a result, she had like a dozen different opinions on every little thing com coming in. Is and and that's a, that fundamentally creates a lot of confusion. Yes, it created a lot, especially if we were meeting with a team and we thought we were meeting with them on one thing, and then she really wanted us to talk about something else. And we didn't know, we'd all get on the call and then we'd all be confused because we were talking about totally different parts of the workflow or bringing somebody in and they redesign the entire website that we just presented and have already redone. So I think the other thing is when somebody has multiple things going on at one time, which I mean, we all do, right? We all have a lot of, of, of things like you and I, but we have businesses, we have podcasts, families, um, I teach, you know, we, we do all these other things that are part of our brands and part of who we are, yeah. but it also can make it really hard for that person to make a decision and to stick to it and not start thinking, oh, wait, no, let's, let's totally redo this. Let's redo that and have us do 10 iterations of a project. So this actually brings me to another red flag that is also yeah. new hadn't come up in a previous episode, but I just realized it in real time, mm. listening to this, which is a very powerful red or green flag, is how much someone does or doesn't delegate. And what I, what I mean by that is 
the best clients that I found that have multiple projects are ones that say, okay, we're doing six different things, but John is appointment for this. And like, he does everything. And he just comes to me when he doesn't know what to do, consultation advice. Jane is the point woman on this one. And like, she makes all the final decisions, except except I, I only override in an emergency situation or something where like, like when, when they can delegate, but they're still the supreme power. That's like, that's what it works. But it sounds like part of what happened here is she has different teams, but there was never the point person project owner. And, 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 and that is a, uh, another formula for disaster. It's, and some of that is ego driven, right? Because they want to, and they want to work with you as the agency owner as well. They don't just want to work with your team, but they also want to be not just the supreme power, as you said, which I love the way you phrase that, but they want to be involved in every decision, the most minute decision, which holds up the process. Now I have clients now that have a million different projects going on, but trust the team to do our work where we don't even, we were sending stuff for approval. Now we don't even do that. We just create everything because they trust us and they trust our work. And that is a great relationship. Um, and it's adding more and more scopes of work all the time. Right. Because, because they can delegate to you and you delegate to people when there's trust on the whole delegation chain, yes. then, then, then things can go smoothly. And this leads me to think maybe there's a way when you start working with a client, like in the first two weeks to test their delegation abilities in some way to see, <laughs> to see, uh, like, to see, like, basically in, in imagine in the first week purposely having some confusion or problem or like going to this person or not and then seeing if they like trust the decisions of that person or if they come in and if they're putting their fingers on it in order to get a sense very early on on whether whether they're this sort of ego-driven micromanager yeah because a lot of times people you think they're an ideal client because they live in the space that you are working in but then you find out that they're not because some trust the process and they want to work with you and they understand who they are. And some are like, you didn't get results fast enough. They're, and because they are ego-driven and they think the first week that they're working with you, they're going to get in Forbes. <laughs> and and they've been referred to somebody you did get in Forbes. And that person even told them you have, it's not, it's a long game. You don't, I mean, unless it's something miraculous that you're doing or something really, really crazy newsworthy, that's not going to happen when you just started your brand. So with this person though, so we're working on all these different projects. They're all in different states of being. Some websites are almost complete. Some we're doing some social media work for a couple of the new project accounts. We're getting her speaking engagements. We're trying to get interviews for her, but she's also on vacation and doing this and doing that and in the studio recording. So we haven't really even started the PR work. And then all of a sudden, everything halts. And at this point, this is another red flag. One of my team members was acting as her personal assistant because she needed that, which that person quit after that because they needed, it was so intense. And then they came back later. Wait, wait, wait. hold on, wait. But was your firm doing like marketing, branding and personal assistance? Yes. And she was also trying to get me to hire other people who worked on like other parts of her stuff in marketing and branding. 
as employees on my team, even though they're not people I knew or had vetted. So there's 20 million red flags all over this project. But I was like, okay, this is good. This is right during the pen. Yeah. So, so, so question. So one, yeah, it's, it's a huge red flag, but it's like taking employees of yours and using them for like personal assistance because they're like super far out of bounds for a uh, marketing services contract. But what I'm wondering is there's so many red flags here. When did you first notice it? Because if you had noticed red flags when you started, you wouldn't have taken the client. Like, because like before whatever you're building up to before that, did you start sensing something was wrong? Yes, definitely started sensing something was wrong, but she was also our biggest client at the time. And my firm started during the pandemic and I had virtual employees Um, and I wanted to make sure they were fully employed because I paid them as employees. So I saw this as an opportunity to show all the different things that my team could do. And the money was good and getting better. So it was like, okay, this is a, you know, I have a viable company. She's doing stuff that we believe in. She was also referred by somebody I trusted. And that was, I mean, that was the big part of it was that if, if it hadn't been somebody bringing her to us, I don't know that I probably would have stopped it sooner because I would have, but it was somebody I I trust really like deeply. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a good client and we're going to keep on doing a lot of work and this will be a temp, the personal assistant stuff will be temporary. And, but then she started again, she asked me to hire people as employees that were her people just so that they could be under my company, even though they weren't people I knew or had vetted and didn't want to hire full-time. So it would, there was, it started getting very weird and then missing meetings. And then all of a sudden the contract just stopped without notice. And I was told by the person who introduced me to her originally, because he was kind of helping with some business management. Wait, for wait, her wait, 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 but when, when you say the contract just stopped, do you mean they canceled it? Do you mean they ghosted or what? She, she ghosted. She, she said, ghosted. we're going to stop doing services. Um, she said it was because she wasn't happy with us. She wasn't, I think she wasn't, she didn't feel like she was getting enough of my time. She also was doing a million projects and very scattered. But what I really found out, and this is what's unique about this story. And I had seen a little bit of this because we ran her social media accounts. And if words the wise, if you have your Instagram and your Facebook business page connected and you don't turn off the thing that lets your Facebook account see all of your messages on Instagram, Whoever's managing your accounts might see things they don't want to see because they can see all of your messages with anybody on Instagram. So Uh-oh. I had, so I saw a couple of things and I was like, what is this? I'm just going to ignore this. I don't know what this is. Turns out she was having an emotional affair that got risque, a virtual affair with somebody who was obviously not her husband. And that person, then turned around and was blackmailing her. <laughs> like, no. Yes. no. And that is the real reason that she stopped because she was, her husband cut her off from her budgets to do any work on any of her projects. And they no, wait, brought wait, in. Wait, wait, so this person, so that she was having a virtual affair with someone 
like via chatting on Instagram. Getting and pictures to each other, messaging, maybe some phone calls. They might have oh. met up. I don't, I, oh I didn't God. get that part into it. This, but. this, might, this might be the first R-rated episode of Client Horror Story. <laughs> no. so, so, so the, but then the husband, did the husband caught, catch her? Or? The husband found out because she was being blackmailed. Um, so they brought in, they brought in some like former military people to figure out where this guy was and get, yeah, they brought in all these people. This is all that what? I heard after the fact, because we really, I said, our quality of work is excellent. Like we have been meeting all the deadlines we've done. We bent over backwards to show our value. And so for me, I was like, what went wrong? What's going on? And then to find out that that was really what happened. Um, you know, I don't know that it made me feel better because I probably should have cut off working with her a lot sooner. But I was like, ooh, that's juicy. I'd never experienced that. And I, I haven't experienced that ever in my 20-something year <laughs> career. And I haven't experienced it since then. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of client heart stories, <laughs> okay. lessons, and comments. But first, first, what... what a, lessons what lessons analysis do you have before before i jump in and run with it because this is exciting <laughs> um wow so many and, and i will say there's one other client who we were helping manage social media and one of my team members said yeah this person is dming people oh i want to support you do you have an only fans and that person was also married and i was like "Ooh, they probably don't know that we can see everything that they're writing to people so I, I, that's a thing that every client who has anybody managing social should, should be aware of, right? First of all, if you send a message, anybody logging into your account can see anything that you're sending out via direct message, period. <laughs> um, well, how many red flags? I think we've had 20 red flags, multiple <laughs> projects. The fact that she mentioned she'd hired other people and told us the sob stories about why they didn't work out and how they stole from her, how that she spent so much money with them on marketing and PR and didn't get anything out of it. Because that's the same narrative she's going to say about us, right? We did all of this work, thousands of dollars of work every month working on all these things. And, and then she cut them all off. And so we never finished any of the projects. Maybe we finished so, some logos and some branding, but we didn't finish the websites. Um, Trying to use my team as personal assistants, trying to get us to hire people who are part of her team when that's not how we work. Just really, I mean, I don't know if I can use explicit language, but basically. You can, I don't care. <laughs> uh, treating us like, like I was her bitch and my team members were her minions, right? Um. So what, what so, other, like, yeah, so many other red flags, but I'll stop there. So yeah, so yeah <laughs> this long list of red flags, I want to dive into a bit this explosive X-rated um, uh, situation because I think there's a few super important and fun points that come from <laughs> one. So I think one important point is, I think especially when you're a young professional as a young marketer or in any profession, you have this image that people that you, your team, your employees, your colleagues, and also your clients come to work 
as professionals and you kind of like leave your humanness aside and like we're all robots focusing on the goal but what actually happens is because we are human like that guess what humans sometimes humans have affairs sometimes you know get sometimes humans get into complex emotional uh, situations sometimes humans take advantage of other humans by doing things like blackmailing and 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 it was just and it's actually there's been a powerful lesson for me to learn over the years and sometimes i have to remember because sometimes i think why are they doing this logically it doesn't make any sense they should be doing this much more optimal right. thing but really there's just some emotional situation that's uh, that's happening and it's so easy to forget that especially with big important clients like that they're human too yeah yeah. yeah, everybody's human. And that's something I think people forget when they're totally. looking at even I mean, I teach at, I teach grad school at USC in the PR department and my students call me professor. They have a certain respect. They have there's a cachet behind that. But I'm just a person, maybe a person yeah. with a lot more experience where this, you and I are the same age um, than they have. And I've done I've made all the mistakes that they're going to make, you know, <laughs> I've had like high highs for my career and low lows for my career and have a lot of the experience I can share with them, but they're ultimately going to go through some of it themselves. But they also have to remember that anybody they interact with as a client or as somebody they're working with is just a person just like them and will come to work with in a bad mood because of whatever happened at home or because they didn't get enough sleep or Totally. Our kid was crying all night, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And so we have to give each other some grace and remember and think about our human frailty, but also not put people on a pedestal and just think, oh, because they're the client, they're the boss. And exactly. Yeah. So so I think that's one important lesson from her having a fair and blackmail on that. That's one. Here's another important lesson. I think I think that that, that comes from this that um here's a pattern i found um working and in life i found people who i think are i'm gonna use a bad word now people who are assholes kind of just blame all problems on other people but like nice people i found tend to blame all problems on themselves so what happens to a lot of a lot of nice people and good people that have started agencies and other professional services work when things go wrong when clients get angry when clients fire them when they're wars when they're ghosts there's this very natural instinct oh my god what did i do was our work not good enough no remember that time when we made that mistake or no we didn't respond fast enough where a lot of good people want to blame themselves and what's one of the really powerful things about this story is is this unequivocal crystal crystal clear example that has absolutely nothing to do with you whether your work was amazing or terrible, has nothing to do with her having an affair and getting blackmailed. No, so, but we're still so going to get blamed for it because she doesn't want to admit to us what really happened. <laughs> and this, oh. but you, what you just said is resonating with me so deeply because that is always the case. You start doing, and it, not with this client, but other clients who maybe negotiated a lower rate because, oh, I'm starting out as an entrepreneur. I don't have a lot of money to spend. And then they stop paying because well, I have to invest in my business in this other business. And so I can't pay you the rest of your retainer. And then they just ghost or you don't get them the feature and Forbes in the first week of working together. So then they say, oh, we're done with our contract. 
yeah, there's all these things that you have to navigate, but you're right, Morgan, they're just assholes. They're just people we don't really want to work with anyway. So it's better for us to move them off of our docket right now. And then that leaves, that opens up space to work with people who are more well-intentioned and who are going to be an ideal client. Yeah, a, a, a thousand percent where I think it's powerful to learn the skill of when to blame yourself and when not to blame yourself because the more assholes out there blame others too much and themselves not enough while the nicer people blame themselves too much and the assholes not enough. And what's like, and what's good about this is, is it's such a good example of, uh, of like, it's 1000% uh, on, on them. And, and I think your comment actually goes to a third lesson from, from this, which is in ugly situations, you're always going to be blamed. The first note, like no, like no matter what, like they pay you one dollar, things go wrong. Even because they're having cyber sex with someone and getting blackmailed, you got their dollar, so so you you so you will be blamed. So I think part of the reason why you're getting paid is because because it's part of it's that risk of accepting the blame. It just comes with the territory. Yeah. And I think yeah, and um, and. Okay, and I think I think I think those are those are the main lessons I I can extract out of the. Actually, maybe one a final one is is I can't get over the blackmail aspect of this because blackmail is the sort of thing that you hear about in the movies and you may get a newspaper article about, but you don't really hear about it in real life. So it so it so so on top of it, there's this other lesson of like, wow, there are actually bad people like like pretending to have cyber sex, whatever, just to, uh, just to put you in a compromised position. Uh, and it's uh, like your own, your own information security is, uh, is, uh, is, is always worth uh, worrying over. Yeah. I can't even imagine doing that, having an affair with somebody over Instagram, Facebook, any of that stuff. I get, I know people do it all the time. Most people, I don't think do it to get, and then turn out getting blackmailed, but, but even that act, I, how does that make sense? I guess if you're lonely or if you are insecure and somebody else is giving you attention that you don't feel like you're getting somewhere else, but that's, you know, that's not my issue. It's not my problem. Don't put that into my company. Yeah. And, but I think, I think this goes to the fact that the first lesson from uh, uh, from the, uh, of this list, and it's often hard to to separate the two. Where and, and by the way, in you and I when we were we we're chatting before before this episode, we we're uh, we we're talk, talking about uh, separating your personal life and your uh, and, and, and 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 your and your professional life. But you make the point that when you're sharing the same Facebook Messenger Instagram account, it kind of makes it it kind of makes that impossible. Like. You just have friends on, I have friends I chat with on Facebook. So, uh, so if someone else had access to my Facebook, they're going to, they're going to see, they're, they're, they're going to see my chats. And if I, and if I, and if I put the risky chats in there, then, then I'm either the idiot or the naive one. Yeah. Well, and it's for somebody like me, I work with clients on a very deep level. Usually like I'm really invested. I'm not their agency. I'm, my myself and my team are part of their team. Are they? And right. so I do take it 
very personally, when somebody doesn't want to work with me or they don't have the budget or this or that, sometimes when I merged my company with another firm, I saw that exact thing happen where my clients were like, we don't know who this other firm is. I realized I was tokenized and I lost my biggest clients because they said, oh, we'd rather not work with them. We want to work with you. And it like shook me because these are people I've been working with for multiple years, you know, really invested in their projects. My whole team was invested, but because I made a change that I thought would be more positive for everybody and bring more resources to the table for my clients, it actually backfired. So that was something that I had to watch out for. And then of course I, I left that firm and restarted my own agency and guess what? Everybody came back <laughs> because they liked working with me and they knew I understood them and they knew that I was invested in, in their projects. And it's turning out great this time around. But that's another thing. Like you have to think about the personalization. And I feel like business is getting more and more personal, especially after the pandemic, everybody's working from home. You hear about quiet quitting you have the great resignation. People want to have authentic relationships, whether they're in the workforce or at home or doing whatever other activity. And I know I want to show up the same way with my clients that I show up. So I want to work with clients who hold my ideals. Not every agency can do that. Not every brand strategist can do that. Right. But that's kind of the space that I've decided to live in. I like that space you're in. I think one of the challenges of that space is scaling, like mm -hmm. caring scales really badly. I like easy for me to care about this one person. I can also pretty easily care about these five, maybe 10 people. It's a little bit harder to care about people 11 to 20. <laughs> it's, and then, you know, and then by the time you get to person number a thousand, like you don't really care about person number a thousand as compared to person number three. True. True. So, right. so, 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 and by the way, what's interesting about, about about your observation about wanting to keep it personal is because we want to keep it personal, but we also want to grow and we want bigger clients and we want to hire more people. And and part of the challenge of the game of growing any professional services agency is how do you grow while while retaining that personal human level you have when you're mm -hmm. when you're just five people in a garage. Yeah. And that can be difficult. My approach this time around is different. Last time around, it was people I care for and then also just get more clients in the door. So that, <laughs> right? Right. Grow, grow, grow strategy. This time around, it's slow growth with a few key clients mm. who are going from five-figure to six-figure plus clients, bringing in other people in their industries. And then, you know, just growing in a different way. That is, and I can't share everything right now because there's a lot of stuff yeah. in the works, but it's yeah. all, it's, there is a growth strategy in play where I'm going to be essentially CEO of um, a private equity company's marketing division. They're buying up marketing firms and because of who they are and the way that they're doing it and the kinds of companies they're buying, it still fits with my brand and my values but has that growth that we're talking about. So it's a little bit of a different play and it still leaves room for me to grow that bit part of the business and their businesses, but then also have my own business 
where maybe we have three to four key clients and my, but it, you know, that feeds my whole team because the amount of just what their retainers are and the work that we're doing for those clients. So that's kind of what I'm looking at now. And then how do I extend my own brand? Because we're all brands <laughs> and we all have like, you have your podcast. I have a podcast. I'm like, what, what else can I do? How can I repackage this material? Okay. I've been on video. I have a SEO'd on my website with the transcripts. I have the episodes. I have, you know, you know, your marketing. <laughs> I could create a book out of the content um, and the best lessons from each guest. So there's like a number of things that I can do there that will also talk, still let me live in that space. I love of like connecting with other people and talking about branding and marketing and PR, but in a different way. So I'm, I'm totally getting us off on a tangent, but. <laughs> I, I uh, organized this podcast to encourage the tangents and, uh, and for part, part of the objective of being human and having human relationships is seeing where, seeing where the conversation goes. Yeah. I think this challenge scaling care is actually one of the origins of a lot of client horror stories because like a very common pattern I've seen in agencies, marketing agencies, law firms, everything where you have a few competent people. And then how do most firms grow? The way most firms grow is you have the awesome genius, amazing partners to do great work. And then they hire just like, like a lot less competent, but very cheap people under them. So, uh, so then when the firm is really small, the amazing principals do all the work, but then when as the principals get busy, they just have the levels below them do more and more and more of the work just because the principals don't, don't have time anymore, but the level down isn't nearly as good as them. Thus the mm -hmm. quality suffers. So clients go from getting the A team to the B team to the C team. And, uh, and it's, such a common pattern I've seen, I've seen in professional services world, which is, which is why this podcast is about client horror stories and oh, clients acting crazy. But if we think about it from the opposite point of view from mm -hmm. clients, oh my God, I've hired terrible professionals. I would actually say that number one reason why clients get terrible professionals is because they hire firms that have followed this playbook. That uh, that where that where the principles are amazing, but for every every level you go down, there's just mm. massive decreases in quality, which make which which leave the clients very unsatisfied. Yeah, and it also hurts us as business owners, not just because clients yeah. are then unhappy, but because a lot of times when we hire, we see certain, you know, we see samples of work, and we do the interview, we do our due diligence, but that still doesn't tell the whole story. And yeah. a lot of times I've hired people that met my brand values, that I looked over their work, it looked great. And then they got in, oh, wait, they actually don't know as much as they said they do. As you know, they actually, maybe they kind of worked for this brand, but not to the, not how they presented it to me. Uh, and then, yeah, when we hire those people, whether it's on purpose or as a mistake, <laughs> um, because then that affects our work quality. And then that affects our clients negatively and that affects our brand reputations. So. Totally. So, so we've hit so many good points here to round that and conclude to, I want to wrap back to the, uh, to the story. So mm -hmm. you found, so the client ghosted you and you, and, and you discovered that the risky chats led to blackmail. Um, is that, did anything happen after that? Did you hear from them again? 
Did the client disappear? Do you know how? Would you, what happened to the blackmail? Do they pay the blackmail? That's a good question. Or? I actually don't know. I all I know is that then they were trying to get all of the files from our Google Drive, and we'd sent everything over. We sent up wrap up reports for everything we were doing. Sent whatever we had. So whoever they were working with next, if they were, could take it over. Um, and then, of course, that's a client who's not who's scattered and doesn't remember where anything is and asks us a million times for the same things. Yes. My whole team had to sign NDAs uh, about the work we did, even though that person's never actually, since not working with us, has not put out any of the stuff that we're working on. So I think they all like... Oh. I mean, we, we, we know the reason because the next marketing firm she hired was a complete disaster and a terrible firm. And the firm after that was also another terrible firm. <laughs> and then the firm after that also didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. I think this got put on a very short leash and it, I'd hear like negative things blaming me. And then I'd hear, oh, tell her hello if you talk to her from the, the person who connected me to this first, to the client. So uh, th there was also some Jekyll and Hyde behavior, which I think was based on their own insecurities and their own hangups and situation. And again, uh, easier oh, to blame that, other people. So that's, that's actually interesting because I would have interpreted that slightly differently, which is when I hear someone like blaming, blaming their problems on this terrible person and then days, weeks later saying, oh, say hi to Morgan for me, like my interpretation is that the is that they're acting in either one or one or both of those cases so and 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 what i what i found more often than not people are acting in the business blaming case like often it's the case like they really like me or they, they really like you and that's it but they think that in order to manage their firm and preserve their reputations they can only do that by making you look bad. Mm. Uh, so, so as a result, they have to say these words and, or in their mind, in their mind, they have to say these words to make you look bad, even though they don't really harbor any negative feelings against you. And, and what's interesting about that is this is a lesson that, by the way, this is also like the first time I mentioned this or realized this lesson um, in an episode. I always like to get new, new lessons in episodes. The first time. <laughs> but this is actually a, painful lesson it's taken me 20 uh, uh, uh 20 years to um uh, to learn which is all I, i'm going to make the same point but reframe it which is 20 years ago when people said bad things about me like i would just take it uh take it really like really personally or like even if in a fight if in a fight you're da, 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 i'm like oh my god i didn't live up to their expectations i worked so hard i tried i didn't do it and, the, and they're sorry i took it really really personally but now now i realize we we said 10 or 15 minutes ago oh maybe they're having affairs the problems are their own nothing to do with us but now it's even stronger i'm making an even stronger version of that which is maybe when they're saying uh when they're getting angry uh mm -hmm. um at me i mean it's really just them acting because mm -hmm. either because it, it, what actually matters are the other people in the room or the virtual room like, right. like their their employees, they want to show they're the boss. They want to show they can make a decision. They want to show that they didn't make a mistake. So they have to take on that role and say it to me, even if it's nothing personal and they really like me. And three days later, they want to go get a beer with me. So it's less yeah. Jekyll and Hyde 
and more you ha- you have to wear different hats and they think that it's the right hat for them to wear that they think they should wear that right hat even if even if I would have think it's the thing I they should wear a purple hat right right yeah the six hats <laughs> so <laughs> love that reference yeah um yeah that's very powerful and I, it's a good reminder to us but I think it also makes me reflect. I think you and I are both people who are in the nicer space than the not nice space. You know, uh, we try to for be better people for worse. and try to be people of our word and conscientious. And I'd rather own up to my mistakes and show that I'm fallible and that I'm human because I, I feel like that creates more trust, whether it's with an, a team member, employee, a student, or a potential client, and just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't get this report to you on XYZ time or, oh, oops, we didn't deliver this or whatever it is that needs to be done. Or, oh, I forgot to send you your homework assignment that we went over in class last week until today, which actually just did happen. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think why not be genuine and authentic in what you do in the workplace? It's, it's a work, Inside the workplace and out. As an adult, it's hard to own your own fuck ups. I used to expand word on my on my own podcast. Um, yeah, it's just hard to hard to own your own mistakes. And not just that, I think most human beings are brought up in a culture where you're looked down on by admitting or saying bad things. And and like like in, in my own firm, this is this is something um like something i try hard to fix so 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 for example what i do in in my room is every week we ask on the online platform that we we do our our work through basecamp we ask everyone the weekly question is what is a mistake you made this week and like they share a mistake you made this week everyone has to answer it uh uh, every week and guess what i lead by example um, and i just start saying oh my god i made this big mistake like this and uh and by me leading with example and having everyone answer that from day one of working with me, it's like my little way of creating a culture. Say we're saying yeah. it's so much better to make a mistake and own it than to try to convince the world that someone else is to blame for your mistake. Hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. I love I love Basecamp and the question prompts it has too. It's, it, it's, it's, it's one of the questions, it's, it's a question I had to find in, in their, in their uh, question prompts. And yeah, and everyone, everyone puts in like really boring questions. Like, like they're like their classic use cases are like, what did you work on this week? But like, right. but, but, but I use that as an opportunity to, uh, to build the sort of culture that, that, that I think is healthy uh, to, to build on teams. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a base camp addict. And, and I, wow, and this is this is a fantastic episode. Started from a deep dive onto the, all these red flags before the story. Then when then we went to this, this good but short story that had this surprise twist explanation. <laughs> um, but but then that led us into into trying into trying to understand the um these sort of interesting issues about being a professional and human and, 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 and culture building. I like it. Any, any final words you, you want to add as we wrap up our episode? No, not really. I, I have, uh, as you know, on my podcast, I always ask people, or I usually ask people for a quote or phrase 
And I have one that I always keep in my head that helps me. And it's be kind whenever sure. possible. It is always possible. <laughs> so that's it. I just always I, try to come from a place of kindness in my actions, even when I'm dealing with clients, even when they're nightmare clients, when they're client horror stories, and know that I'm still going to stand up and be a good person. And in the end, that's going to be a better spot for me and bring me more business from It'll help me attract the clients that I want to work with. I'm happy that in your quote, you use the word kind and not the word nice. Because I think there's a subtle difference, which is I think nice is more about the appearance of not hurting anyone's feelings or offending them. Mm. But I think kindness is more about doing the right thing that is in their best, most helpful interest. And I think the action of being kind is so much more important than the appearance of being nice. So I'm happy that it's, so I'm really happy that you choose to say, be kind when possible, it's always possible, and not be nice when possible, it's always yeah. possible. Yeah. No, that's, you know, there's a Southern expression, bless her heart, or bless yes. her heart. Yes. That is not, does that does not mean bless you. So <laughs> that is being nice without really being nice. So exactly. I'd much rather be kind exactly. because kindness also, means that you're you're gonna say things that you might be, have to have hard conversations, but you can still do it kindly. Totally. Thank you, Annika, for coming. This was such a fun conversation, more than I expected. And I think it was I got so into it, I didn't sneeze or cough once. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, a respite from these last days of sneezing nonstop. And everyone who's made it to the end, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and to be continued. Awesome. Thank you for watching. Thank you for coming.